Welcome, Savvy Investor, to Skyline Views. Welcome to another episode of Skyline Views. I'm Chris Mills. My guest today is international real estate entrepreneur and host of the Going Long podcast, Mr. Billy Keels. Welcome, Billy. Hey, Chris. I'm really looking forward to it. Love the pre-conversation, man, and uh, hoping to add some value to, uh, to you and your audience. Definitely, definitely. Uh, there's a lot to be to be had to be mined out of you. You're a very interesting guy. So why don't we just start with that, your background, how you got into real estate and um, share some of your experience. Yeah, sure, man. So um, I'm a guy who's originally from Columbus, Ohio. So very Midwest kid. Um, I come from a family, both parents, um, neither of the two of them had the chance to uh, finish their college education. Uh, one went to college, the other never did. Uh, so they really worked uh, really, really hard. Um, uh, to, to help make ends meet and always get, make sure that we were in a really good school district. So that was, uh, that was something that was nice. Um, however, I, I watched my parents struggle a lot when, uh, when I was younger. And so that really motivated me to, to get to a place where, Hey, listen, I don't really want to have to struggle to make ends meet and things like that, that my, my parents did. And I think that's something that still lives within me today. Uh, at the same time, they were really great about saying, never putting any type of limits on ourselves and watching the work that they did, I was really inspired to continue to go out and work and, and optimize every single opportunity that I was given in life or that I created probably is a better way to say um, that created in life. And so after having uh, been born in Ohio, my brother and sister came along a couple of years later, they were born in Colorado. Uh, we then moved to Texas. Uh, my parents ended up having some marital problems. We ended up moving back to Ohio. Uh, my parents eventually divorced and my dad went out east. Uh, my mom stayed in Ohio for my brother and I to finish uh, college, uh, high school. And, um, and then my, they went moved away into a different state. And so um, through that, I was able to finish high school, went to college, had two degrees. Uh, and it was at that point that I really started buying into the, oh man, you know what? I want to get a great job. I want to, you know, get in marketing. The place I went to school was at Miami of Ohio. So I was like, I got to get a job at Procter & Gamble. Like that was the thing because I was in marketing. And uh, that wasn't in the cards for me. Uh, what was in the cards for me, uh, because I was turned down twice uh, from that job, uh, was actually I had a job where I was working and traveling throughout 58 countries in five years, which was absolutely amazing. Really, once again, creating opportunities and, and had the opportunity and my world was just completely blown uh, because I'd never, ever thought a guy from Columbus, Ohio, me, would have a chance to travel and see so many things. Um, after that, ended up not wanting to go to a normal nine to five. And so I was accepted at university at the Sorbonne in Paris, moved there back in 2001. The idea was to do a one-year sabbatical. Uh, it's now been 20 years. I lived in France, I've lived in Italy, and now I've been living in Spain for the last 15 years, married two kids. Um, and that's a little bit about me. You ask also too about the real estate and how did I get into real estate? And the thing there, Chris, was um, because I'd always thought the thing to do was uh, get the good job, Get the right, get the right grades, get the good job, and continue to put in your 401k and maximize and buy some stocks and stuff like that. I was doing that, and in 2000, I took a hit on my portfolio, and then I took another hit in 2008. And in 2008, I lost about 33% of my value of my portfolio. And one of the things my parents always said was, like, if something happens once, like shame on you. If something happens twice, then shame on me, right? And so that was a point when I was really like, I need to do something because I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to. Like when I studied in high school and college, if I studied hard, I got a good grade and I was doing all the things that I'd been told, but I found out that I was once again at the end of my financial control. And so I look, I, this randomly, I ended up uh, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I'm sure a lot of people have. Right. And, and that 
really changed my whole mindset to say, all right, how do I find out more about this, uh, this type of an asset? Because I never was exposed to anyone who owned real estate or any of that kind of stuff. And I was just really interested in it. And I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more about how I actually got into it, because as mentioned before, I live here in Spain and have been exclusively investing in real assets nowadays. I like to say a long distance uh, real asset investor um, over the last um, seven years, actually. So, um, so yeah, so that's a little bit about me and also how I got into, uh, into real assets or real estate. So we're going to talk about real estate, obviously, at length today. We're going to talk about some alternatives at the end uh, that I know both excited to chat about. Um, I like to cover various markets. I know you're pretty heavy in Charlotte. So talk to me about Charlotte, some of the activity you've seen over this very interesting year we just finished recently, and um, you know what, what the market has to offer going forward. Yeah. So in, as you mentioned, so investing in a number of different markets, some of those markets actively and some of those markets passively and in Charlotte, the Charlotte MSA is one of the markets where I've actually one of the one first that I actually learned about how to select a location. Right. Um, because before, when I guess got started, I was, there was not really much thought into it. It was, I have the money, I'm going to put my money here and that's where I invested. Um, if it was based on fear, right. If things went wrong, if I had some money to get me out of, uh, out of a problem. So, once I actually got really clear on what it was, I was the, the result that real estate was to provide me. In my case, it was cash flow. And um, then I started looking for specific markets. And Charlotte was one of the markets that really attracted my attention for, for a number of different reasons. Uh, and that was, you know, three or four years ago. And these are things that still hold true today. So things like there are more people moving into Charlotte than leaving Charlotte. So what we call that is a net migration, right? And, and the fact that Whenever there is a leading indicator that shows that people are going to a place, well, I want to be in that place, right? Because that means eventually those people that are moving there are going to need a place to live. And if I can provide that to them, then I'm helping them out. Um, the other thing that I was really interested in was also job diversification. And so when I looked at who were the major employers and what I wanted to avoid and what I tend to like to avoid is betting on that one horse, right? And so when you look at Charlotte, you have everything from financial services, you have energy, you have tourism, you have manufacturing, um, you, you have so many different um, areas that are covered that if in the event that something happens, which frequently does, and maybe you pick a sector like the tourism sector, well, you know what, there's a lot of manufacturing, there's a lot going on in energy, there's a lot going on in financial services, where you can compensate. So all of those people that are moving there will have a place to potentially have a, a different place where they don't have to pick up and leave Charlotte. Um, and when you start looking at things like Fortune 500 companies, and you've got like nine of the 13 that are in the state of Cal in the state of North Carolina, excuse me, uh, nine of those are within Charlotte. So it's like, this is a really good place to, to look. You have major sports teams, which many times people are like, well, why do you even think about sports teams? And, and it's pretty similar to the reason that when you're looking at a big, large company, why are they there? They've spent millions some of them maybe billions over time in making sure that this is the right location for their businesses to be. And so when I look at things like sports teams being there, I look at the number of universities that are in and near Charlotte, which means, you know, all the people that are moving there, they're going getting education. And then after they get an education, what do people typically like to do? Well, they like to stay pretty close to where they just had that receive their university degree and go right into those um, Fortune 500s or the other companies or startups or whatever the case may be. So those are some of the reasons that 
Um, I have enjoyed investing in Charlotte. Uh, some of the things that I continue to see to answer your question also was, you know, there continues to be development, there continues to be growth, there continues to be a you know, more people moving to Charlotte than leaving even during uh, times of pandemic. And, and, and although this year, or over the last year 2020, I was not able to travel um, to the US because of uh, travel restrictions, there's a lot of the same trends continue. Right. Maybe not as quickly, but there's still more people moving there than leaving. And um, and it continue to have job diversification and, and the things that are important for me as an investor of my own capital and, and now of, of my investors capital. Yeah. When, when someone is advising. And or getting advice on various markets of all the of all the stuff you said, is there like a back of the napkin type? Uh, analysis someone could do before really diving in? Like what would be like your top two or three things to look yeah, for? Yeah, for me, the, the top two are the first that I mentioned. So uh, and first of all, and I know I talk about location and I know that we're going to to Charlotte, but you may want to go to Charlotte and then you go to any of the different sub-markets within Charlotte, right? Because it's not the same if you're out in, in, in Gaston County as if you're in Mecklenburg County. I mean, things are happening differently uh, in terms of the way that people are moving, et cetera. But I always want to see that there, number one, is there going to be a need for my service, my solution? So are there people? Like what is happening with the migration? What are there more people moving than leaving? And then secondly, you know, one of the things that any time you are providing housing, you want people to be able to be getting up and going somewhere or working remotely at a at some some type of way that they're generating income. So without a doubt, the first two things that I look at is are there more people leaving? Uh, then are there more people entering the city than leaving or whatever the submarket is? And then secondly, what type of job diversification is there in the, the sturdiness or the uh, reliability of those jobs going long-term? And uh, you mentioned that Charlotte wasn't the first market you got into. I like the, the linear path that you kind of took. Um, I believe, you know, if people can, can even do that on purpose, um, that's, that's the better way to go, right? Like invest in your, in your backyard when you're getting started, uh, pick a more strategic market after that, because I do feel, uh, you need to get roots, so to speak, as far as your people, your systems, things of that nature, how you're going to go about your investing. Uh, do you feel that that's a good way to go. Like if you had had it to do over again, would you start in your backyard and then keep going? Would you diversify off the bat or would you really focus on one market, uh, nail that down and then move on? What do you think? Yeah, so this is kind of an unfair question for me because I'm the person who really believes that you should invest wherever you want, right? I, I think you should live where you want and you should invest where you where you want right and that's one of the what's one of the main principles of, of the going long podcast that we talked about before and, and i'm sure we'll talk about later but but to your point it depends on what you're trying to do right so if you're someone who that you want to build a real estate business right that you want to become someone who has i don't know a couple thousand units it may make sense for you to say, okay, I really want to understand the nuts and bolts. I really want to get involved in understanding it from a ground level, right? But also keep in mind that if you are the person that is actually operating the and going to your property and seeing it every day, that's a very different person that is actually responsible for thousands of lives and thousands of doors. So there's going to be this whole path to becoming. 
and but that may be the right way for you right it, meaning you the person that is that is listening and watching us right now because your because your end goal is to own thousands of units and if you are someone who is in a high paying role, a job in a corporate job, you like what it is that you're doing, or you're really trying to just look at some new alternatives. Well, the whole thing about for you is you want your capital to always be on the treadmill running, running, running and getting the highest use. And so if you are earning multiple six figures, is it best thing for you to be going to check the property that you have? Um, I would tend to say, if you look at it from a financial perspective, probably not. Okay. What you may want to be doing is spending your time understanding how is it that you vet a particular sponsor? Because you, you, and you may find that, and when I say a sponsor, for those that, that, that don't know, is someone that is aggregating capital for a specific use, like that person that's going to bring capital together to buy um, a 200-unit apartment building or something like that maybe that person is going to want to understand how do I vet and make sure that if I'm going to place two or $300,000 with this person that I've done my due diligence to make sure that when I'm placing that capital, that it's going to get the best possible return financial or otherwise, it could be a social return. It could be a networking, it could be a number of different things that you understand that. So I, I tend to think always kind of what is the end game that you're looking for? And then depending on what the end game is, you, you may want to look at starting in your backyard, or you may want to look at how do I make sure that my capital is always working and always running. And that really is going to be more about how do I understand the person who's going to be managing the capital that I'm placing. But hopefully that makes sense. It does. It does. If you are the person who has the corporate job um, and maybe, you know, a little bit down the line, you're thinking, you know, maybe I want to do this full time, a combination of passive or active or something like that. What would you tell someone who's kind of thinking those thoughts about when would be the appropriate time to pull the trigger and uh, step away from their nine to six? Yeah, so I'm a recovering perfectionist. So this is going to be maybe a little bit, it's it's difficult for me to even say this, but because I did not do it this way, I'm, I'm going to recommend that you do because now I'm looking at it kind of um, because I've gone through it. And first of all, I would say, if you are someone who's a recovering perfectionist, start before you're ready. Because if you're a perfectionist, it means you probably have already done more than 90% of the population is going to do to somewhat be ready. So go ahead. If you've been doing it as a perfectionist your whole life, start studying, but do it before you're actually ready. Because when you do it before you're ready, you, you based on my experience, and just because it's similar to what I do, when you start making mistakes or things start getting out of control, you're going to double down, you're going to start studying more, you're going to surround yourself with the right people so that you're going to get the result like you because you ever we all want to get to the result <laughs> as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And so if you wait until you're ready, that means you're probably gone waited six months too long, and you've probably missed four or five different opportunities. And because of that, you're going to stay in the role that you're in even longer. <laughs> so mm -hmm. So, so I would say, start before you're ready, allow yourself to, uh, to, to adapt to what the situation is so that you can ultimately get to uh, your goal sooner rather than uh, later. The last thing on real estate we'll, we'll talk about is what do you see in your crystal ball going forward? You, you kind of have a, a bird's eye view of the, of the US and you're constantly analyzing things, I know. What do you see regarding various asset classes uh, now that we're kind of entering into 2021 and hopefully leaving some of this craziness behind? 
Yeah, I mean that. Wow, that's a that's a big question. So there is um, maybe I'll take a look at it from from this perspective. In that number one, people are always going to need a place to live, always, right? And so I think it's difficult to ever bet against residential um, type of of property, right? There, but at the same time, we need to recognize that there are some very exceptional things that are happening right now. There are moratoriums on evictions. There are moratoriums on some parts. Uh, you know that now that lots of people that are landlords. You, you, unless you're able to access certain funds, you're, you're kind of maybe you're at the end or at the rope of your of your savings. And you have to see what is there going to be anything else that is happening you, to help you from a, a reserves perspective or from a capital perspective. Um, but someone is always going to need a place to sleep in the evening. Um, when you think about uh, the what I've heard called many times the silver tsunami as as people continue to get older, you've got your baby boomer generation that are now at a point where they are, you know, needing specialized care. So when you think start thinking about things like assisted living facilities, which I'm not there, right? I'm not invested in that in that part of, a, of real assets. But, um, but I know that that's a trend that I that I could actually go out and study more and learn more about. You start looking at things like um, self storage, right? People as they move, they're going to need a place for their stuff. Like these aren't really numbers driven uh, decisions. These are just kind of what are the trends that are happening. Uh, and also too, if you if you think about what is happening with the with the large big box uh, retailers, well, there's probably more people are purchasing online than ever before, and there's a lot of things that are are coming to our doors. But that doesn't mean that there aren't you know, freestanding retail facilities or like Medtail, which are something that people continue to want to go to freestanding triple net lease type of opportunity. So I, I think there are always, well, I don't think, I know for sure that there are always opportunities. It's just a matter of how do you stay in front of, you know, more focused on where the puck is going, like I think Wayne Gretzky said, versus mm -hmm. where things are today. So, yeah, that's, that's a great answer. Um, that kind of segues us into the other asset classes. Uh, we can start with energy equipment. Let's maybe kind of define this sector for, I mean, a lot of the listeners are, are real estate. So it's kind of close, but not really. So yeah, can you kind of clarify and, and what's the strategy in it? Yeah, sure. So this is really, um, well, I've, I've, I was, thought it was going to be just for people that were high wage earners, um, you know, people that are earning 150, 200 and above kind of salaries and are wage earners, right? Not, uh, mm -hmm. not business owners and things. And what I've found is that this is also something that is extremely interesting for someone who is over 59 and a half and has, um, you know, money that is locked up in 401ks and IRAs, right? And, and it was was not something that I actually really paid attention to in the beginning, but it, now that I see it, it kind of makes sense, right? Because if you've got four or five, $6 million locked up in an IRA or a 401k, you want to be able to access it. But most of the people that are listening, the first thing you think about if you're not 59 and a half is as soon as I touch that money, what happens? Mm -hmm. I get, uh, there's a penalty against it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about that, once you're at 59 and a half, you're just going to pay ordinary income tax on that. And once again, you and I are just chatting, right? We're not giving any kind of financial advice. People need to go and check all this kind of stuff out with, with their own financial advisors or have deeper conversations. But um, one of the things that I have found in understanding more about energy, uh, there was a great book that I read by um, 
by uh, Dr. Chris Mortensen and Adam, Adam Taggart. It's called Prosper. And they talk about uh, the three E's, right? They talk about the economy, energy, and, and the environment. And, and that really turned my mind onto this whole space because I didn't really think about it. And they looked at the, the eight different types of capital and things like that. But as it relates to energy and coming back to your question, um, you know, there is a desire to do things cleaner uh, in the world. There's, um, you know, there are, there's a real push for green. And then there's also the reality that says that, you know, 87% of the energy that we use today, um, as of today, comes from kind of three sources, right? And those are, are primarily fossil fuels. And so it's, it's a matter of saying, okay, well, what do you, how can you make sure that we can move to closer to even greener and cleaner, um, while at the same time, we are being cleaner with what we already have, right? And, and a lot of that comes down to things like uh, carbon CO2 emissions and stuff, right? And so when you're able to create energy and uh, you are able to do something something that is socially responsible because you're doing it in a way that is much cleaner, you can create returns for uh, investors and talking about returns that are, you know, double digit type of returns for accredited investors only. And, and at the same time, help them with significant tax benefits around ordinary income. It's something that most people don't really uh, have access to or don't really understand uh, about. And so when I started learning more about this uh, type of opportunity, while it's socially responsible, you can create double digit returns and you can actually help high wage earners and people that have money locked up in IRAs and 401ks and help them access that capital um, and help them right size their, their, their tax payment or tax obligation. It was just something that I really wanted to know more about and have since been uh, raising capital towards. What types of, uh... Are, of things are being invested in, right? Like, is, is there anything that someone investing can go see with their eyes and put their hands on? Well, yes. When, when, when we're able to travel and move around, that's definitely right. going to be possible. <laughs> yeah. Right now it's a little bit of a challenge, but uh, yeah, I mean, one part of what, what we are doing and part of what we help to do is uh, number one, help to educate, because I think first and foremost, it's really important that you understand uh, anything that you're educating. And, and I know that Chris, your audience, the fact that they're here, that they're dedicating their time, their energy, they are educating uh, themselves. And I know that's something that you're really, really um, big on. And I'm a big believer in that as well. First, right. You need to understand kind of what is the, what is the opportunity and, and, and what, how could this potentially fit into your overall personal plan? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you're able to become educated on the, on just at the, at the base level and see if this is something that's interesting for you as an accredited investor, if this fits in your portfolio, if you're looking to increase returns and, and also right size your, your, your tax obligations, then there are videos, there are pictures. And then eventually, yeah, once we can start traveling again, absolutely get to a chance to see the equipment and the equipment is, is um, it is equipment that is used for uh, CO2 recycling. Which, um, which is actually part of a larger process in, in terms of enhanced oil recovery and things like that. Um, but, you know, it is, it is something that is, a, it's a step-by-step -step process mm -hmm. uh, where you get a chance to actually see, uh, learn, interact. And eventually, like I said, once we can start to travel, actually go uh, on site and, and actually see the, uh, see the yeah. machines. But we, it is something that's really important. And it's, it's something that takes time because it's something that, and your audience would know this well, it's not something that the mainstream is doing, right? And so... Right. Uh, that's why we take the time to really educate and understand and have, you know, all different advisors um, part of conversations. Yeah, I'm glad we're mentioning it today because I know, you know, a lot of folks that I deal with on a regular basis are very 
conscious about where their money is going these days, uh, far more so now than, than in the past, I would say. Um, you know, random mutual funds and various other investments that, you know, will diversify their money, you know, doesn't necessarily line up with their values or, or where their heart is. And, and the more discretionary those funds are, I think the more they care about where it goes. So, um, yeah, definitely worth a, an honorable mention, so to speak, here today. Yeah, uh, I'm also very interested in the uh, the ATM machines. That's another thing that kind of piqued my interest in one of our last conversations. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. And this is part of the so. And I know we talked about before, like when you're you're an active investor, right? And we just talked about the the active investment and in raising capital for these uh, these types of machines, and that's been very very successful. At the same time. And because when you're a, a, a high wage earner, and I talked about it before, you want your capital to always be on the treadmill, right? You always want it to be working out. And so um, I had access through my network, through my professional network and, and, and real asset or real estate network um, to learn about the ATM space. And so at first glance, you think ATM, well, why in the world would you do that? Well, at the end of the day, ATMs are really, it's its another type of real estate play, right? Because you have an ATM machine that's sitting on a piece of land that when it's sitting on that piece of land, um, it, somebody is actually collecting rent for that. And then when anytime someone needs to go to uh, an ATM machine, uh, there's always that transaction fee that you see on, on, the, um, on the ticket. And so as part of that transaction fee, there's a it's a it's a global fund and so as, as a passive investor in this i've invested in uh in these uh in these atm machines have leases on these atm machines for uh for a fixed period of time and for that fixed period of time i'm receiving both the uh consistent cash flow payout as well as some tax benefits in the in the early years of the uh, of the atm so for me in my portfolio it was something that absolutely made sense and when i started thinking about the fact that i live in europe because this is probably one of the first things that i think about like i don't necessarily use atms a lot well i i don't um i also don't um live in in, in a mobile home park although i own one Right. And so it's it's about once again, it's understanding who is the public that you are going to serve, who is the who who is the person that you want to serve. And because there continue to be people that are using um, their their cards to withdraw money, uh, everything from uh, at a shopping center to a truck stop to um, to a bodega and people are using them constantly. And so this is providing a service for those that actually need and want to access cash through uh, through an ATM. Uh, machine. And so that's really um, the reason why I did it. I learned about it. And it's something that's really worked out for me very well as a, as a passive investor. I want to ask another type of analysis question, because I love uh, the way you kind of frame things and the way you think about things when you're looking at investments. I believe the more people you serve uh, with whatever you're doing, you know, you'll result better in the end, but it has to come from a heart of service and serving people, not how can I make the most money or, you know, that kind of thing. It can't just be mo a money play. So, you know, I'm glad you're, you're referencing that mindset kind of along those lines. What is when you're looking to kind of not go on a tangent, but kind of broaden your portfolio, right? Like mm -hmm. you and I are real estate guys, but then we kind of do this and then we kind of do that. Yeah. If you're looking at one of those complementary investments, can you go a little bit deeper into the, the thought process and the analysis that you do? Sure. And I, I just want to take a second because you said something that like literally struck my heart, Chris, when you said it. And, and 
because growing up in a family where we did not have um, like massive amounts of money, quite the opposite, right? Um, I really respect the currency, right? Because I understand that when you don't have it, your life can be extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. And when you do have it, or you have an abundance of it, and you don't give it the proper respect that it's due, it can also cause you lots and lots of frustration, lots and lots of harm because you you can lose touch with reality, right? And so um, as I start to think about where I am in life and, and also part of I'm sure is being a father and a husband and taking on more responsibility, you start realizing that money is not even close to everything. Like the most important thing is time and how you spend your time, how you're using your time, um, how you can build relationships, how you have a great love relationship with, with your spouse or your partner, how you're taking care of your physical and mental health. And all of these things are, are different types of assets or, or capital that are really important to, to pay a lot of attention to. So I, when you said that, it just, it resonated with me so much. And I just, I, I had, I wanted to pick up on that, man. So, mm -hmm. so thanks for, for recognizing that. And, and, and I don't, I try to make things really simple, Chris, like, I, I know that you can do a lot of analysis and there are parts of me that I, I, when I need to do the analysis, I do it. But as I'm looking because of where I am right now in my life, as someone who's an entrepreneur, who's still a high wage earner, I look to see number one, what are the types of returns that this is going to, whatever investment of my time to study is, is going to provide me. And, and I look at the total return. I don't just look at the cash on cash return. That's great. Right but I want to look at the total return because I'm investing my time and I want to get the full picture of what that, what, what that's going to return. Number one. And number two, because of also maybe where I live and the potential to be able to travel between Europe and the United States. I also look at the, the efficiency of the tax portion specifically, right? Because, um, and that, I know it's part of the overall total return, but it's something that I really look at now. I mean, I, it's not something that I paid attention to before, uh, but I want to see what is the total return. And people may call that IRR or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I'm also specifically looking at what are the tax benefits that this is going to provide me? And I mean that both on the passive IRS definition, passive side, as well as the active or ordinary or earned income side of things. Uh, because I don't believe it's about how much money you make anymore. I believe it's about how much of the time that you've invested and how much of that invested time and the capital you get to keep. Awesome. Great answer. Uh, so lastly, I know you have some valuable resources, uh, especially your podcast. Why don't you tell folks uh, a little bit about that and how to get a hold of you? Yeah, man. I, and I appreciate that. So one of the things I, and I think we talked about this before, like I was really afraid to do a podcast, right? Because I'm, um, I'm working in a day job and all this other kind of stuff, but I, I started answering the same questions all over. And there was this really this thing on my heart that I'm living in Europe and I'm investing exclusively in the United States, at least as of today. And people were asking and curious and, um, and I've been very fortunate. I've, I have great mentors and great coaches and, uh, and I, it was just time to share my story. And so the going long podcast with Billy Keels is really about helping people to understand how they can feel comfortable and confident investing beyond their backyard. It's really helping the idea is to help as many high wage earners as possible. Um, because a lot of times people think, well, you're, you're making a high wage. And so you're all fine. And what I'm finding is that that's really not the case. There's like, there's people that just really need a lot of help working really hard, spending a lot of time on planes and doing things and answering their phones when they're at dinner with their kids, because they're worried about something else. And it's like, if we just kind of slowed some of that down and did 
made our money work harder than we're working, then your life could be even a bit better. So that the whole going long podcast with Billy Kills is really helping um, people understand that it, you can live wherever you want to live and invest where, wherever you want. So that that's one thing. Um, I've got a website as well. Um, billykeels.com. Try to keep it really simple. I would love for people to connect with me uh, on LinkedIn. And Chris, one of the things when they when they connect with me on LinkedIn, just like help me understand, like say, listen, I was listening to you and Chris speak on his podcast and um, and it's a great way to connect. And it's something that's authentic, right? Don't just click the button just to click the button. Say Chris yeah. and I were connecting with one another. So, um, and, you know, specifically, if anybody wanted to know about the, the energy thing, they could send me an email to uh, energy at billykeels.com. And then I can include some other things in the uh, in the show notes if you'd like for uh, for people to be able to uh, to get in touch. I wrote a book as well, uh, stuff like that. So it's really up to you. Yeah, no, that's great. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes for sure. Uh, Billy, I want to thank you again for your time. This has been really valuable. I was really excited to do it, and I'm glad we uh, we crammed a lot in there. So yeah, yeah, Chris, it's been yeah, awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thank you very yeah. much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Awesome, man. We'll talk again soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Skyline Views with Chris Mills. We hope you found this valuable and useful. Feel free to share it with friends or family that could benefit as well. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. We really appreciate it. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Connect with us through theheneycompany.com. See you next time. The information provided in this episode is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. Skyline Views, The Haney Company, their employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are advised to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant for the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicative of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Christopher Mills is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisor representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Neither Coastal Equities Incorporated nor Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated is affiliated with Skyline Views or The Haney Company. Advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, a U.S. SEC registered investment advisor, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC, 1201 North Orange Street, Suite 729, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801.